All right. All right. Well, look, it feels good to be back in the saddle. I apologize for last week's hiatus. I was very much under the weather, but I am really pleased to have Jason Butler on the show with me today. You know, we met up through Podmatch. Podmatch is a fantastic uh, podcasting service. If you're not down with it, if you don't know what it is, check it out, podmatch.com. What Alex Sanfilippo has built there is really pretty fantastic for people that want to get on podcast shows and people like me that host shows and people like me and I think Jason that do both. And, uh, you know, it's really a great platform and I can't thank Alex enough for making great connections to people like Jason. Jason, welcome to the show. I can't wait to get down on our topic today, servant leadership. As I was prepping for the show, I was really uh, excited about all the things you're interested in. So welcome to the show today. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for taking the time. Really much appreciate it. So I'm going to kind of start at the end of my little note list that I prepared for things that we might talk about today. I'm going to start at the end and we'll wrap around to maybe the beginning. Um, one of the things you like to talk about is social investment being a key mm -hmm. to lifting brands. Mm -hmm. uh, this is something that um, we do in the retail business that I co-own. Uh, we'll talk more about that after you go first, but I want you to kind of unpack that statement, social investment being the key to lifting brands. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, more than ever, people want to be partnered and connected to brands that make a difference in the world. Like people want purpose. We've got, we've got 10,000 choices in everything that we do, whether it's buying shoes or a cup of coffee. Like, and we want to know that our money is going to create value, not only in somebody's bottom line, but is making some difference in the community, right? And so, especially as we skew younger to the younger generation, like everything that a younger generation is sort of focused on, Gen Z, millennials, is like, how do we save our world? How do we make a difference here? Because we've got to live in this world for another 60, 70 years. How are we going to do that? And so when we make social investments, we're communicating to our community that we care, that we deeply care. And that both transforms the way that we do retail, the way that we sell things, the way that we um, market ourselves, but it transforms us actually as well, that we do begin to care more about our community. So this builds connections. It builds purpose within our organization, with our customers, with our, with our uh, community. In every realm, when we invest socially, this lifts us up and science proves this. What This is what everything I talk about is science-based. When we give to others, we rise as well. And so like this is a win-win. I love win-wins. I talk about win-wins all the time. Social investment is a huge win-win. So uh, not that you need science. And it's interesting you brought that up, that the science supports it. Um, not that you should need science to do good in this world. <laughs> right. But. Right. Like, you know, every, every decision is the decisions are made emotionally. Decisions are made with logic, right? We, we buy with emotion and we back it up with logic. So right. from the logic science standpoint, um, touch on that. What science have you seen to support this for those that are listening and saying, you know what? This just might be the thing that finally gives me that push to invest into the communities and the peoples that I serve. Yeah, well, you know, so when we when we push our brand out, this is like marketing, right? And so when we if we're investing in our community in some way, like we don't we don't do that in order to market that, but when we do it, it gives us an opportunity to talk about what we are doing, right? And so if you go into if you go into a store and you have the choice between product A or service A that does nothing for anybody and service B that is actually helping other people in some way, then then the then the brain, the neuro, the neuro, neuroscience begins to take over, and so we think, okay, this uh, brand B is making our community a better place to be. It's it's generous. It's based in compassion, right? And so when we see people operating in compassion, that we're bi biologically wired for that, so it releases hormones throughout our body, and so then. We want that. And so we actually feel better about buying product B that's investing than product A that does nothing. And so it's it like we feel good, right? Yep. That we're helping. And that's science-based because like our brain is releasing positive hormones to our body, basically telling us, do that because that's good for you and that's good for others. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, 100% agree with you there. Uh, we do, so I'll kind of clue you in uh, to what we do in this, in this realm in our retail business. So I do uh, another podcast show with my amazing producer, Chris Stone, who's producing this show here today that you're watching. Uh, his contact information is in all the show notes on any of my episodes. But we produce a community podcast called Lancaster Connects for our retail store. Mm-hmm. And uh, I look at it as an owner. I look at it as this is an advertising advertising expense. We don't. Mm-hmm. None of it is set up to sell more mattresses. That's our primary. That's the primary thing in that retail business. Uh, we're mm-hmm. we're a boutique destinations better sleep store, and uh, none of it is meant to like sell a mattress on Labor Day weekend. Right? We're one week in advance of Labor Day coming at you live today, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all about highlighting those doing good in our community. That's the entirety of the show. We might take five minutes in total to talk about what's going on in our business, mm-hmm. but it's never about a special. It's never about a sale. Um, it's always about those in our community. And for us, it's about, it's about building that content out for these charities that otherwise may not have this opportunity to do a well-produced mm-hmm. video like we're creating right now. Um, and then we can get them snippets of the video and they can carve it up if they have a team to do so. So for us, it's, it's that, that social investment to build our brand and lift our brand um, because we're depositing good back into our community. Yep. Um, anybody else? Like just through that medium of community podcasting, have you heard of anybody else doing things like that? Mm. No, I, I, I haven't. I mean, but people are doing all sorts of really incredible things. Like some people do videos. Um, which I guess, you know, is kind of similar to that. So they go out, they, they, um, they, they do videos of people doing good in their community, but like organizations, right? Community yep. leaders. Yep. And like, hey, you know, tell us about what's going on. Tell us about what you're doing in the community. I'm sure that's so much similar to what you're doing. Yep. So people, people do that in, um, different forms of media that I've seen. I haven't seen like a dedicated podcast to it. So this is, you know, awesome. High fives to y'all. Yeah. And for Boom, that. Right there. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it. It it's really a cool thing to do, and you know, again, uh, I said about we buy out emotion, right? So doing good, giving back to the community you serve, whether that's you know maybe an online community, I don't know, a, a, a local community like I serve in that retail business, um, you know, regionally, whatever it might be. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's it always pays a dividend. It just may not feel like it yep. right away, right? It takes yep, absolutely a there, while there, sometimes. There's a halo effect as well. So like, like our, our brains make associations. So that's what we're always doing, right? So when when you talk about a certain community leader, now our brain has associated you with that community leader and that community leader with you, right? Yep. And so our brain's like, oh, they're linked together. Cool. And so like, so now we have this halo effect that you and and that other person are both benefiting from what each other's doing because uh, people who've listened have now made this connection to you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, you know, I can tell you, um, I think we're like two years or so ish into doing that community podcast. That halo effect definitely is in place. Um, again, we, we endeavored on it as saying, you know, look, we've got to add dollars to spend. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel good to spend, you know, a thousand bucks a week on a newspaper ad that mm-hmm. you get one person saying they saw it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So we said, what can we do for our community that will ultimately create that effect? So I love that you brought up the halo effect uh, around the other byproduct. Again, the the, the kind of the numbers on the spreadsheet that make you feel good as opposed to the emotion, mm-hmm. which should be why you do things is here's a little inside tip on this commute, like doing what we're talking about, social investment, the the boards of the charities and the groups that you highlight. That's right. There's that halo effect, right? There's the movers and shakers. Mm-hmm. Those are the people who can, you know, pretty quickly refer your business, if not mm-hmm. do business with you. And That's right. that was something that I only kind of figured out recently uh, mm-hmm. because it really started to take off. And it's, yep. it's kind of, you know, it's, it's hockey sticks. Uh, so... Yep. It takes a little while um, to to deposit this in and, and make these deposits of social investment. What other kinds of deposits of social investment should business people, business owners, be making into their communities to lift their brand? 
Yeah, well, I think one really cool way, I'm, I'm sort of also in this entrepreneur startup space that I, I, I flirt around with and have a little bit of engagement with. And, you know, what we see is, I mean, I'm in Raleigh, right? This huge startup hub, you know, so many startups happening, so much money being thrown at new startups. But there's also incredible people in our communities that are creating small startup businesses, just small businesses that are services that people do every day, but they don't, I mean, we, they struggle with funding in so many different ways. Yep. They don't have access to like, they're not a, you know, an emerging biotech firm that has a new <laughs> way to, you know, grow an ear in a, right. in a lab. Right. right. Um, so they're not going to make billions of So one thing that I, that I kind of part of here is really cool. Like I uh, regular everyday investors and companies, companies like small businesses that want to make an impact in their community to say, Hey, here is um, here, here's a person who's creating this certain small business in their community to do good. They're a startup and I'm linking you to. And now you can make an investment into their business. I mean, like a real deal investment, right? Um, and, you know, it's not going to make you a million dollars. Right. But you're going to help somebody make a startup and, and you're going to say, hey, listen, we're helping, um, we're helping startups in our community. And here's the five startups that we've invested in that are just oh, every day. You know, everyday startup people, people like a 20 year old who has a, a mobile detailing business said like, Hey, I just, they, they needed $10,000 to get started and you're helping do that. And now like, Hey, John's detailing service, we're, we're part of it. We're a funder to that. Right. Oh, that's and neat. like, and now lifting our community, especially the, um, folks on the margins who don't have access to enough capital. Now we're part of that. And like they're sharing our story. We're sharing their story. And it's just really fantastic. Yeah, that's very, very cool. Um, I really like that. Let's talk about that a little bit more. So this is your company, uh, basically, uh, lack of a better term, I guess, presenting the portfolio of opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, these yep. are people, like, so it sounds mm -hmm. disingenuous to say portfolio mm -hmm. of opportunity, right? Um, yep. But that's really what it is. And so you're, 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 you're two sides. You're going out finding the small businesses. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then you're in some way, I guess, vetting, vetting them because, you know, look, to give 20, 10 grand to a 20 year old about car detailing, <laughs> you know, there's, there's yeah, definitely absolutely. some risk there unless they're vetted, absolutely. they're vetted. Mm -hmm. So yep. if, if you don't mind, let's talk about how you find these folks and what you do to kind of bring them to funding. And then the other yeah. side, this is very cool. Yeah. I love it, this. Yeah, it's, it's really about two-sided relationships, right? So I've worked in the nonprofit space for a long, long time. And so nonprofits know their communities better, better than anybody because they're working in those communities. And so, you, you know, and then you hear stories of like, Hey, you, yeah, you just have to go to them basically and go to a nonprofit leader and be, Hey, do you, who needs funding out there? <laughs> and you know, you're going to get a list. Um, here you go. And, and then because you know, you connected with businesses and I work with executive leaders. I work with corporations and leadership development. I, I, I've got these relationships on the other side. And so. It's really just a matter of connecting. Hey, y'all, um, here's, here's a, here's a, a, an emerging chef, um, who has a food truck. They want a food truck, right? Um, they got all the stuff. They have some, they have some funding in place. They have a business model. They've operated in some way, but they need to buy this equipment and it's, you know, X amount of dollars. And really the terms that you all are going to work out are terms that they're going to, you're going to work out with them, right? Um, I find some people like bigger companies. They're excited about um, investing in local communities, and they don't really want to return. They're this is they they've already have like philanthropic uh, donations set aside that they're they're just doing good. So like hey, we're going to give you a grant for this amount of money. Like yes, right? That's that's amazing. And but then like um, you know investors who have these big portfolios and investor groups, uh, this is a great way for them to say, yeah, we're investing in these big biotech companies or these um, tech startups. But we're also investing in our local community. And here's how we're doing it. Here's um, a group of Latino women who have a, a house cleaning service. And they just needed some money to buy the basic startup supplies, right? And we're help, we help them get off the ground. And here's their story. Now, here's what's really cool. Like, you, you have this inside relationship with these entrepreneurial startup uh, folks who are, who are doing great. And like for these bigger companies, this is PR goldmine, right? Like this is PR gold. You can bring them to investor dinners. You can, you know, you, and you pay them like, hey, come, you know, it, it's $500 for an appearance. Um, come to investors, share your story, share what we've done together. 
This is employee engagement that you're talking about. Hey, we're a company who gives back to our community and here's how we do it. Um, and why, by the way, why don't you go, we're going to have a food truck day. Um, they're going to bring the food truck and we're an investor in this, in the food truck. How cool yep. is that? You know? Yeah. Um, so the, the possibilities are endless here. And this is just a great way to do good with, with our investments. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is very, very cool. I love that you're doing this. It was not, this is not the kind of thing that I saw in your pod match bio of things you like to talk about. So, uh, maybe, I mean, maybe it is around like village mindset and equitable economy, which we'll talk about, but, uh, I want to ask this question. So, uh, since, you know, on the other side of COVID, right. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen the, uh, in influx, the hockey stick effect, if you will, of these small startups? Uh, no, I haven't. It's, it's hard. Like after COVID it's harder now. Um, it's harder to get access to capital. It's harder to, I mean, uh, like the, it's harder to know because there's a lot of uncertainty in the market right now. And a a lot of uncertainty in places that we didn't ever know that there was uncertainty, right? In terms of, you know, like do, are people going to, what are, what are people going to do? What's consumer behavior? Like that's, that's really sort of like we're unsure of what consumer behavior is going to look like for the next five years. Where if we back up before COVID, we knew what consumer behavior was. Like right. we knew how consumers were going to act. That is right. pretty simple. That's um, now we're like, mm, we don't know. So, you know, between getting startup capital and consumer behavior. So it's, it's, a, it's a little bit harder game right now um, for folks. Interesting. The reason I thought, I, I didn't expect that answer. The reason I thought I would, I would have... Maybe you would have said there were there was more, was because of the whole you know some folks were deemed essential, non-essential, their jobs put mm-hmm. on the sideline, you know, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. And and we saw a lot of people kind of go out on their own, you know. Now maybe yes. that's through, you know, maybe that's through like the 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 door dashing, the sharing mm-hmm. economy platforms yes. like Uber yep. and, and Turo and Airbnb. They, you know, they they supplement income that way. So okay. So that's interesting. Another unfortunate uh, COVID byproduct of some hesitancy mm. there. Um, mm-hmm. But still, it doesn't change the amazing mission that you have. So when we talk about how you connect these... By the way, um, do you do a lot with food trucks? No. You no. don't? Okay. They're just interesting. I just love food trucks, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I made a note. And you'll see me making some notes throughout our show. Our, our regular listeners uh, have heard me say this before. Um, I do pull out snippets. So it's not that I'm doing mm-hmm. work. It's that I'm yeah. writing down important moments and then I can go back and review. But uh, the reason I asked about food trucks, I've got an amazing friend. He's been on the show, Patrick Bolaños. Uh, he is down in Houston with Trailer King Builders, just doing some amazing, uh, amazing work with the food truck awesome. space and, and, and bringing a- those dreams of people to life. Yeah. Who, mm-hmm. who, who have an amazing family recipe around any yeah. different type of food. And he's mm-hmm. helping them bring it forward, which is very, very cool. I mean, I just love the, the entrepreneurial, uh, the American exceptionalism of mm-hmm. opportunity. Uh, yeah. Why don't you talk about what you like about that a little bit? Man, I, you know, like cap- capitalism is a beautiful thing when it properly works, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think right now we're, we're sort of having sort of a capitalistic moment in terms of what is this going to be? Um, you know, we see people, a lot of people making a whole lot of money and we see people, a lot of people not making up. So we're kind of getting, we're kind of getting spread out, right? Yep. But the opportunity is incredible because like what, what people need is capital, right? Like that's, that's, that's it. That's always been what makes wealth is capital. And so the investor startup community is really where I see like the possibility of, um, American entrepreneurial, um, Success. Like, there's so much, there's so many ideas out there right now being funded, being started. So many people are getting into the, to the, the funding space. I love this idea. Like, um, Congress passed a law in 2016 that basically opened up cr- this thing called crowdfunding. Um, yep. it, there's a, their technical definition. You don't have to be an accredited investor. Like, you, before that, you had to, right? You had to, have some in a chat set. Now there's platforms like WeFunder and so many others. You can just go on there and as just a regular person, you can invest and $100, $200, $1,000, $5,000 in a startup. 
Yep. And now you are, uh, you're part of investor in this new thing. Like this is phenomenal. I love this idea. It's like taking crowdfunding Kickstarter to, um, to, to the investor space. Yep. And so like now I, what, what I want to see the progress of is becoming the mainstream of what I was just talking about, like social investment. Like it's investors not looking for the big payday. Um, to get returns in, but investors looking for community impact. So yep. investing for community impact and businesses, leaders investing for that purpose. Now that, that to me is the beautiful possibility of the opportunities that capitalism gives us. Yep. Yeah. So actually, you know, it's like my producer and I are mind melting right now because I was going to say, does this dovetail into your concept of what the village mindset is and creating an equitable economy? This white pays yeah. have good people around you, folks, because we're just bringing that right up on screen, which if you're listening on audio, you need to check out the videos of these shows because we do give you some really great stuff to look at as we do the show. But uh, we've got uh, Jason's information from his website on the Village Mindset up right now. Um, so let's jump into that. Like, let, yeah. let's, let's hone into what you're talking about there, the people you work with to help them adopt this Village Mindset. Yeah. Absolutely. The village mindset was really birthed and born out of my 20 years of executive leadership experience in community facing organizations. So I've worked in community organizations, leading people, helping people navigate incredibly difficult um, transitions and changes and doing good work in, in the community. And so after COVID, like COVID has shaken us up. It's shaken in the employee workplace. It's shaken how we engage socially in so many different ways. And, you know, with, with like the great resignation and quiet quitting and employee, like it, the, all of the, the models of the past were basically were like profit over people, right? That was the model of the past, yep. the leadership model. Like that's changed. Like that, if that's going to, that's fading out. And if you're still under that model, you're going to struggle in the next five years. And so, you know, as we talk about belonging, organizational belonging, we talk about engagement, we talk about sustainability, talk about doing good, right? Like the leadership of, of the future is, has changed where we need servant leaders. We need um, emotionally intelligent leaders. We need leaders who are high on empathy and put people over profit. And so it was, as I, as I thought about this and like, how do I bring my leadership? I, this is who I am. This is what I've done. How do I bring this into the corporate and business community? And I came up with this idea of the village mindset because this is hard to get our head around, right? Like, how do we do this leadership? Because we're not quite sure, but we all understand the concept of a village. So I took five key principles that we, we see in a village and I overlaid them in, in business leadership of today. Empowerment, support, connection, purpose, and social investment. And they all work to create this village, right? Like sometimes, yep. sometimes we say, well, my company is a family. And I'm like, nah, it's really not. You know, you're ready to let an employee go. You're not going to be like, hey, you can bunk up in my bedroom for six months until you land right. on your feet. Like, we're not <laughs> going to do that. Well, I, but go ahead. I was gonna, I was gonna say, um, you know, you, you said people's, and, and let's let's pick up on employers that use the word family but don't really mean it. We'll pick up on that. But I what I was going to add to a point you made, and I just felt an, important to interject it is. You know, people over profit is 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 more important than ever. And, and one slack adjuster, one way to test yourself there is, you know, if their only reward is the once a year pay review, mm, that's a real mm -hmm. problem. You yeah, know, yeah. Um, like as an example, today in my, in my retail business that I'm involved in, uh, we are bringing back to the store an entire processed beef cow. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I have to clarify it, beef cow, because like, is it a pork? <laughs> is it ever a pork cow or a chicken cow? No, it's a oh, cow. Well. Um, but like, you know, the old, the old adage, you know, closures eat steak, right? Kind of mm -hmm. thing. Uh, mm -hmm. Food price. We've, this is the second year yeah. we've done it. Food prices yeah. are really, really high yeah, right now. Um, mm -hmm. And for us, it's, it's a tremendous value. Uh, in the way we buy it. And we just give it to our team. We divide it all out. It's kind of a lot of fun. The guys trade out. Some of my guys mm -hmm. are into smoking. More of my, some of my guys are mm -hmm. into steaks and, you know, yeah. so they trade out the, the, the cuts and it's neat. And then some of the other, some of the other guys give away the ground mm -hmm. beef to food banks, uh, because we're very involved with food banks locally. So yeah, cool. it, those kinds of things, maybe the cow dividing that up isn't for you, 
Um, but putting in those kinds of things, and we do other things throughout the year as well, uh, is very important. So mm-hmm. back to, and if you have anything to add, go ahead. But if not, we'll just go kind of back to those who miss on the concept of, of saying family when really. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, I tell people like your, your, your business is not a family, but it can be a village, right? It can be a village mm-hmm. where we are coming together for a collaborative and combined purpose. Like that's what work is. Like we're coming together for a, for a purpose. And that's what a, will, a village is. We all live in a space where we are seen, where we are known, and we are valued. And that is the barometer. Belonging is the barometer of employee engagement for the future. And if it, 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 like we're coming to understand now that our ability to make profit is in our employees. And the more that we empower our employees, the, the more that they are going to empower our companies to be more profitable. Right. And so look, all the stats that are coming out right now show that companies and employees that feel a high sense of engagement and belonging, they're, they're more productive. They take less sick days. They're, they're, they're marketers for our business, which it bring back more, um, more business. And they shows that they're 21 more percent more profitable. Like when we have employees that care about where they work because they know that we care about the work that they're doing for us. They're going to help us be more profitable. And so that's this mindset shift, right? That when we, we have the mindset, the old mindset where we're employee works for the company. Well, that's, you should be thankful for the job. I'm like, that's done. Like I hear, I sometimes hear employees say that. I mean, bosses say that. And I'm like, whoa, man, like don't say that out loud uh, <laughs> right. because you're going to have a lot of people leave tomorrow if you say that. Yeah. Like, so shifting that mindset to I exist for the benefit of my employees. Now, now we're talking. Now we're into that lane of servant leadership and they're going to help propel your business to new heights. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the old adage of, you know, you're, you're fortunate to work for me, you know, that may have been a true thing to say if we go way back in the day where yeah. you worked 20 years, you got a pension, mm-hmm. you got a gold watch that was a Rolex and you had a really big party and that pension that lasted is, was really why you were grinding it out. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. as, a, as a young adult, recently married, whatever, at the age of 25, 30, mm-hmm. you knew at 45, 50, you had something. Yeah. And you may not have liked it, but boy, there was really something there. There's so many businesses today that just don't have that. So you can't yeah. take, it's, yeah. it's disingenuous to take the old overlay of give me your labor and, yeah. and your time against the new overlay of that. If, if and when you leave in this at-will employment state, it just ends. Like it's yeah. not fair to, to take both sides of that argument, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really love what you're saying um, and what you're sharing here. Uh, so, you know, again, kind of coming around to where I began making my notes. So how does all of this create? So let's say a leader, a business owner is like, all right, I get it. I, I've been mm-hmm. feeling this in my soul. I feel it's time. How does this now build them up to be a more compassionate leader and really kind of unlock their superpower of being that compassionate mm-hmm. leader? Yeah, yeah. I love you bringing up compassion. Like uh, all of my stuff is based in compassion. And, you know, sometimes we think compassion is like, oh, you know, that's for, it, it, that's, that's, that's not strong. We, that's weak, but it's, that's not true. Like we're biologically wired for compassion. And like our brains, when we are compassionate, like, right, when you do a compassion act, how do you feel? Really good. You feel really good. That's yep. right. Yep. Um, and so science shows us that when we're compassionate, where it lowers our blood pressure, improves our health, um, it increases our speech functionality and makes us actually more likable to other people. Like compassion is a superpower that I tell people, leadership superpower. And so when we kind of engage in that, we're engaging, we're thinking more clearly, we're processing more clearly, we can make decisions better, we're speaking better, we're connecting with our employees better. And so like what, like bringing this in to our, our employee base now, it, like operating in this, now we're, we have the capacity to kind of connect emotionally with our employees. And that's, that's the goal right here is connecting emotionally. And so what my principles are, they like, this is hard. Like this is, it's sort of like, okay, I can be passionate, but what are the, what are the tools that I need to use? Yeah. What are the, what, what, what do I do to be this way? And so what I talk about is not really being compassionate. I talk about the ways that you can engage your community employees and your business that 
that result in compassion, right? So it's not like be compassionate. I don't tell people that. I say <laughs> empower your employees. Yeah. And here's yeah. how you can empower your employees. One, two, three, four, five. Support your employees. Here's how you can support them. One, two, three, four, five. Here's how you can change how you talk, how you um to to your to your folks, how your managers can manage. Here's how you can build in purpose to your organization. Yep. And here's how you can build in connection to your organization. And so when you begin to do these things, do these tasks, do these tools, you are I'll begin to be more compassionate. You begin to see people in a different way. You begin to hear people in a different way. You begin to care about people in a different way. And so that doing the thing actually produces the thing in you. It's like we do compassion in order to be compassionate. That's that's yep. sort of that way that I that I frame it. Yeah, yeah. I love. I mean, the, it, isn't it interesting? It always comes down to the action of things, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of words today. Uh, we see that on social media channels. You know, it's really a lot of words. Yeah, it may mm-hmm. look like somebody in front of a Lamborghini, but you don't know. Is that was that even <laughs> a right. Lamborghini they rented? Or right. were they just fortunate enough to have nobody walking by that corner of the valet parking lot? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Is this real? <laughs> right. So it, it's when we get into the action of things that things really begin to translate. Like, again, I'll share an example through our retail business that I have involvement in. We had the unfortunate, um, one of our customers had gotten a really nice mattress set with a really nice adjustable bed base, like our top end bed base offering and a very good quality bed on top of it. Three weeks after it's home, they're in a really bad car accident mm-hmm. uh, to the point where they need in-home care mm-hmm. uh, with a nurse and they need a, they need a legitimate hospital bed. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, so it was asked of us, could we refund this? Could we take it back? And, mm-hmm. you know, that's a difficult thing to hear. It's a difficult yeah. question to be asked. We proposed mm-hmm. a couple different solutions of, you know, one being... Hey, well, we'll pick this up, get it out of your home so you have room, right? Because not everybody has room for a whole extra queen-size mattress set. Uh, We'll pick it up. They don't live around the corner. It's about an hour Mm -hmm. and 15-minute drive. We'll pick it up. We'll return it when it's time. Because you're going to need something once you rehabilitate. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's no doubt this person is going to survive, thank God. And and there'll be be a a new life on the other side of rehab. Mm -hmm. Well, that wasn't acceptable. So we said, okay, well, then I guess we'll just have to, you know, refund it. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, so, something we really don't like to do. Um, yeah. You know, w- was anybody else asked to participate in that? You know, financially? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Um, mm-hmm. You know what? You know, what's going to be the bed they sleep in afterwards? Will they come back to us? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But we just said, you know what? This person is up against it. Let's yeah. take it back. And so we did. And then. As we're moving our floor around, we realized, well, we can put the bed base here and make a shift there. So mm-hmm. it was fine. We were going to make an investment in the floor anyway. No mm-hmm. big deal. Um, the mattress will take a little bit of a hit on. But you know what? That mm-hmm. person, we're not going to be in that person's mind now in a very, mm-hmm. very negative way. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I think that's a, that's a moment of action of compassion. Yeah. Yep, uh, absolutely. You know, and our employees see that and we can discuss now, mm-hmm. you know, what they might be yeah. able to do when those instances mm-hmm. come up. So yeah, absolutely. Like doing the right thing is never the wrong idea. Right. Like, right. And so like doing that right thing, because like a lot of times we just think about, I, 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 I have a friend, um, Yancey Strickler. He's one of the co-founders of Kickstarter. That's why I love crowdfunding so much. Oh, wow. And we, we went to high school together. We're friends. He wrote this book about our, our future, right? Like, um, what we could be in our future. And he comes up with this model called the Bento model. And I talk about it in my book, The Village Mindset. And basically, it lays out our decision-making in four quadrants. And oftentimes, we just think about our decision-making, like you in the mattress, right? Like, this is a great example. Like, what's good for me right now? Like, we, we think about the right now, me right now. But in his quadrant, He's got four quadrants. And the, the top one is what's good for us in the future, like us, our community in yep. the future. And so that's a key decision-making space that leaders need to dwell in, right? Sometimes leaders, we get so consumed with the stress of right now, of the profits engaging in management and whatever we're doing. Like we don't, we don't make decisions later on. But like I'll, I'll use the example of um, 
sustainability. Companies that invested in sustainability in making departments of sustainability and ESG 10 years ago are the leaders right Today. now. Yep. They're the global leaders right now. 10 years ago, it was, it was like, what are you doing? Why can't we can't budget this money to a whole um, sustainability department? That's yep. millions of dollars. We're not, what, what returns do we get on that? But the leaders who could see out in the future said, that's the best thing for us to do 10 years from now. So we got to plant the tree right now. Yep. So we're planting the tree and 10 years, it's going to produce fruit. And that's exactly what we see. These companies are out now on the leading edge of social innovation and workplace development because they invested 10 years ago, seeing yep. the returns up right now. So like that, us future thinking is so key for leaders. Yeah. Uh, can I share an example of that that almost follows yeah. the exact 10 years? Again, a mattress yeah. store example. Uh, so you buy a mattress, a lot of companies remove your old one, right? Well, where does that old mm -hmm. one go? More often than not in the landfill. I'm really proud to say, from an, and I'm not a tree hugging guy at all. You know, um, I, I like the fact that our climate and surroundings is preserved because I do like to hunt. I believe that ecosystem is important. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, I drive an F 150, but I do mm -hmm. believe in doing things that don't just outright strafe and kill our environment. Yeah. So yeah. instead of our mattresses we take from your home going to the dump, they go on a 53 foot trailer and they get either upcycled, recycled, or repurposed mm -hmm. in some fashion or other. Yeah. Uh, only about twice a year do we take our little box truck to the dump landfill with things that just cannot be handled. Mm -hmm. Our, our yeah. contact will not take. Um, but uh, we're real proud of that. We've been doing that for now 11 mm -hmm. years. So it's almost that oh. same 10-year genesis. And the payoff is yeah. when we have our team is being pushed hard for, well, why, why buy local? I could just buy online. Mm -hmm. we, we get to ask a question. It, well, does it matter to you where these returned mattresses go. Yep. That's right. Do you care about things going into landfills that don't need to mm -hmm. go in there? More often than yep. not, that answer is yes. And we get to point to that trailer, a physical thing right out the window. And we yep. get to say, well, here's how we handle that. And here's why yep. spending some more time with us now to find yep. that right fit matters later. Yep, that's exactly right. And so I just, I just thought it was neat to kind of... You, you, 10 years ago, we made that decision. So it's kind of right yep. along that same... Uh, follows that same genesis and line yep, of things. That's right. That's right. And we think sometimes we think this is just a net loss, right? We're going to do the right thing and it's just a loss. Right. But it's not. It's 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 not a loss. Yep. It, it's a loss. We just let it sit there and we don't talk about it. But, but once we begin to talk about it, we see like, wow, this has gains to our customers. This has gains to our employees. Our employees want to work here, you know, because yep. they're like, hey, we're helping to do some good in our community. Yep. Like that... that in, in this workplace environment that is so competitive, like we can't pay people always what they need to be paid, right? Um, and we, we wish we could, but we can't always match another place. But adding in these like workplace development, workplace empowerment, workplace purpose, people want to work there and they will work there longer. They'll stay with us even longer than they would have if we, if we were just jerks, you know, and just be like, nah, you got to work here, so. Yeah. So as we round into the the landing pad of our episode here, that sounded odd. The end, the end zone and end line. Sorry. Like I said uh, at the top of the show, I was I've coming off of a little bit of uh, uh, being sick, uh, so my mind's not a hundred percent clear. As we look to wrap up, not that we need to jump off in two minutes or anything, but let's let's get down on this about the empowering others. Um, mm. So. You know, as, as business owners, as leaders, right? Control, right? We hold on to mm -hmm. it. Um, that's a scary thing for a lot of people, isn't it? Letting yeah. go. Yeah. So yeah. let's talk about first how you get yourself in that mindset as a leader to let go. And then mm -hmm. some, some ways to help that mm -hmm. baton, that ball you're passing off, be carried on in the way that you want it to be. Yeah, absolutely. Like this, this is a tough thing, but you, you, uh, I mean, I've done a lot of leadership studies. The best leaders are empowerers. The best leaders are the ones that make other people better or make other people more successful. Those are the leaders. And there's actually science behind this. The guy at Berkeley, he wrote a book called The Power Paradox. He studied power for 20 years and came down to this conclusion. The, the people, the leaders that rise in societies are the ones that help others more often, help others be better, help others do good, help others rise in their career, make more money, be better people. 
Those are the people that we trust. And because we trust them, we're going we're gonna to listen to them. We're going to help them. We're going to reciprocate. And they rise in society. Like this is, is I, I'm not just making it up. Like servant leadership is the key to leadership in the future. In my book, um, The Village Mindset, I talk about Coach K. I, you know, I live down here in Raleigh. I, I'm a, I have a doctorate from Duke. And so like I talk about Coach K and back in the day, right? Where, you know, we remember him kind of being this hard-nosed coach and he's still hard-nosed, but it was all about the program. And so we want, we want Christian Legners and Bobby Hurley's, we want the four-year guys who are going to come and you, you're you going to play for the program. But later on, and when they did the one and done, right? And so players only, the best players were only had to be there for one year. He couldn't win. He, he wasn't recruiting them because he wanted them to come in and be program people. He had to change his mindset from a program coach to a player's coach. And then he went out and he recruited him. He said to these players, you're going to give me one year. And in this one year, I'm going to make you the best basketball player you possibly can be. I'm going to use all my resources and networks to get you to the top of the NBA. And we're going to have a chance to win a national championship. You give me one year and I'm going to give you everything I got. So it moved from like, you're coming in to help the program to the coach saying, you're coming here and I'm going to help you. And what happened? Yeah. He won and he won and he won and he won and he won because he changed that mindset to a program to a player. And yeah. that's the sort of mindset shift that we need as leaders moving from our company to how can we empower our employees to be, to help them thrive. And when we do that, they're going to, they're, they're, they're going to help us succeed like we've never seen before. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the example. Um, that's a big, a big stage, a big player, and a big example to highlight that I think could be taken down to most any leader of any size business. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, um, you know, like at a smaller level, uh, again, mm-hmm. uh, in, in our business, we we let our guys. I mean, we have, you know, we don't want to take back pillows. We don't have. We're not like Bed Bath and Beyond where they get to jam that back down the vendor's throat and it's just gone. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't. Mm-hmm. We don't have that kind of burn and that kind of play to. To do that. So again, and we want to get the right fit, but sometimes yeah. we don't. So mm-hmm. for us, if it's if it's a five hundred dollar or less purchase, our our people just make it right. We'll find a yeah. way. And and honestly, yeah. what happens with like those pillows? We have a nice wash dryer set up at the store. Mm-hmm. Uh, we take the cover, launder it. We donate it to a great charity called Off mm-hmm. the Streets. There you um, go. People that are coming out of homelessness, mm-hmm. uh, securing their first apartment, their first home. And uh, they get to sleep on it more, more often than not an incredible pillow. Um, yeah, that's awesome. You know, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, and uh, so like those are pieces, right? Like so many, so many small businesses in America, like like what you know, your mattress store. And I, I talk to leaders all the time. Like they had a great idea. They're great entrepreneurs. They are driven, and their their business is going great because of their drive and their passion and their knowledge for for whatever they're doing. But a lot of small business owners are running into a wall of employee engagement. Like they, ha- they have skills in a lot of areas, but a lot of times they're, they're not taught of how to engage and lead employees because that's different than the engaging and leading a business, right? It's, right. They're, they're called two different things. And so the, the, the things that I talk about, the models that I present are so helpful to small business owners to help them really get over the, 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 the edge and really engage in their employees and take them to the next level. Really like, okay, that, because like as a small business owner, you have to focus on everything. Like you're involved in everything. You don't have like a CEO, you know, a CFO yep. or like, you got every, you, all you. Chief um, everything so officer. Chief everything. And so like, that's really hard. That's really stressful. And so a lot of times I can come in to help small business owners be like, here's some tools and tricks to help you engage your employees that are really going to make a huge difference in engagement in your office, in your company. And they're really not that hard. They're really intuitive. They're natural. Um, and, and they don't cost money. They're just about you connecting and doing the best for your people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, I'll, I'll provide another example or challenge statement to anybody listening. I don't need to challenge you. You know this. This is your thing. Um, Really, what Jason's talking about at the end of the day, it's 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 the, the one benefit we haven't touched on is this allows you as a business owner to have more ability to do what I've done in any of the businesses I'm involved in, and that's shift into the investor seat within each business. 
mm, and not yeah. what I call mm. that Chivo. I call it Chief Everything Officer Chivo, mm. right? The yeah. the acronym for it. Um, because being a Chivo, being that Chief Everything Officer, you just you don't have the mindset, the bandwidth, the emotional yeah. uh, fortitude to go down this road because mm-hmm. you revert back to that grasp of control because it feels comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So really what the real benefit for you is, is that dream of American freedom and business entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and ownership of having mm-hmm. a business that works for you, not the other way around. That's yep. what this is really all about, isn't it? Yep. yep, absolutely. You know, if you empower your employees to lead every aspect of your company, and like you're just based, you're checking in, right? You're checking in and coming in for big decisions. And basically, you, you have the, the top level engagement and the decision making, but you're not controlling, you're, you're not in the day to day sort of micromanaging everybody. Like that, that feels really, that's hard to let go of. Yep. But for those who have let go of it and been like, man, I've got freedom. I can, you know, I can do some things with my family that I've never, ne- never been able to do. I can go on vacation. I've ne- I haven't gone on vacation in 10 years, yep. you know, and now, and you find like, and this is more profitable and I'm actually like have the money to enjoy my life and the time to enjoy my life instead of just all focusing on this, the business. So like empowering people is the way to go. And yes, you know, when you empower people, sometimes people leave that it happens, right? Yep. That's Okay. Because when they leave, you are helping, you are propelling them. And now they look back and they're like, the other employees look like, man, this guy, this guy will propel me. He yep. can help me get to the big league. He can help me start my own small business. Yes, do it. Don't, don't worry about it. Do it. Because it will always bring um, blowback good for you and benefit for you and your company. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest things that I consider a win, a gold star moment, you know, if, if you were given a certificate for it, like I do for some of the, like I get for some of the charitable things I do, et cetera. One of those things would be one of my employees years ago used us as that stepping stone, that career builder to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, really prior to us, there was really not a lot on the resume, so to say, but, mm-hmm. but our time together allowed him to move on to something bigger and better. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a Catholic guy. He's got like five kids. It's, every time I talk mm-hmm. to him, he's got another kid. Uh, he just needed a, a better package that we in the role that we could create and build for him just wasn't able to sustain. But yeah. I, re- I am elated to this day to say it, that he was part of our team, proud to have had him and proud to have been a part to see him elevate to that next step. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, like when we talk about bigger companies, like Boomerang employees are, are massive right now. Those that left, right, come back, right? Yeah. And they're, Studies show like they're more productive actually when they come back from 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 a, from way out because they were like, hey, that was a, actually a really good place to work. That was actually a better place to work. And lots of times they go out and they skill up. And when we like, you know, hey, we need a VP of operations. We need a VP of communications. Oh wow, Tim! Like Tim used to work. We love Tim. He's fantastic. And he's gone out and he's hustled and he's skilled up. And now he's ready for this position. We already know him. And because you were empowering him. Now you got him back at a, at a, and, and he's going to help you in even a bigger way. Like yeah. this is the village life, right? Our village life is we, we do good for each other. And sometimes people leave and that's fine. Great. We celebrate you when you leave and then they come back and we celebrate you when you come back. And, and like we know everybody, we value everybody. Everybody's got a place here because we're all part of this big village and what's good for you is good for me. Yeah. Love it. Love all of it. Well, you've talked about your book, uh, The Village Mindset. Let's, talk, let's as we wrap up here, uh, let's share with everybody listening uh, how they can connect with you, get your book, where to go, how to start in the world of Jason Butler and, and bring this <laughs> idea of a village mindset into their business. Yes. I mean, the easiest way to go to Amazon, you search The Village Mindset, you can pick up my book there. Um, it is there. Uh, also, my website, you, there's a couple of ways to access at jasonbutler.me or thevillagemindset.com. Either one of them will get you to that spot. You can follow me on LinkedIn. You know, a lot of, a lot of the work that I do, I, I do a lot of speaking for corporate events or small business gatherings, associations. I come in, I kind of lay this out, but then I also go in and I coach and I consult small business owners and uh, executives. I work a lot with the corporate executives that are um, skilling up and navigating the changes in a post-COVID world. 
And so I do, I do speaking, I do consulting, I do coaching, all of that. It's really to bring these principles of the village mindset to help boost employee engagement, create belonging, and really strengthen your leadership capacity, which will strengthen your culture and your organization. Yep. Love it. Love it. You're doing uh, doing some righteous work there for everybody. Um, I love it. I love the the connections that you have from the small business to the investors. Uh, that's very, very cool. Uh, this has been just a pleasure uh, to have you on the show. Um, please, everybody listening, watching, do connect with Jason. We've got all of his stuff, contact information in our show notes. Go to Amazon, get his book, The Village Mindset. We had it up on screen so you know what it looks like. You can see what it is. And um, Jason, this has just really been a pleasure. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks, man, for having me. And thanks for all you do, helping people skill up and and be be good people. You know, that's that's so much of what I heard from your business, doing good in the community. So high five, good job. Yeah, man, boom, right there. High five coming at you through the screen. All right. We'll see everybody uh, next week on The Big Ticket Life. Take care. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Big Ticket Life. You've heard from another amazing guest living their own big ticket life. And now it's time to live yours. First, I'd love for you to take me up on my free gift to you. Find your gift at gift.bigticketlife.live. That's gift.thebigticketlife.live. See, all your life you've been told what is and what is impossible by the loudest voices from the cheapest seats. It's time to finally do life and business on your terms. Sure, you've heard similar things, but without clarity on what can be done, it's easy to have your customers, employees, maybe even partners, and your spouse keep you from truly living a big ticket life. My big ticket methods shift you into that investor seat, in your business, away from commodity and away from competition, into a market of one, so you can finally live your own big ticket life. So my gift to you is for you to book your discovery call today where we'll uncover first the Chivo behaviors, those chief everything officer behaviors that hold you back and why moving into the investor seat in your own business is critical. Two, we'll uncover the premium position that's up for grabs right now in your market that you're missing out on. And three, which big ticket methodologies are just waiting to be dropped into your business to explode your sales and profits. So again, thanks for listening to this episode. I'd love for you to take action right now. Accept this gift. Book your call. Go to gift.thebigticketlife.live. Again, that's gift.thebigticketlife.live.